following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to share some things out of the Scripture. I'm very concerned. I see America being torn apart with racial strife. I see America being torn apart by political ideology. I see America being torn apart, families, friends, communities, ripped apart by abortion and the murder of babies. I see every wicked thing like a geyser of filth coming and filling our nation. And surely, God cannot allow this to continue. If he does, he's going to have to, as my pastor David Wilkerson used to say, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, what is the way through all of this morass of filth and darkness? There are roads that lead to many different places. I can get on 95 South, which is very close to my home, and I can go to New York, or South, I can go to Florida. Interstate 80 across the United States. Roads go somewhere. Questions tell me which road to take. Jesus is on his way when a man suddenly comes and falls down before him. He comes running, falls down before him, and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This story of the rich young ruler I have been very uncomfortable with for many years. In fact, normally as I read through the scripture, It's one of the stories that I just pass over because I'm so uncomfortable with it. And I've never taken the time to pray through, why am I so uncomfortable with this story? I did that this last week. I want to tell you what I found. This man asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We have, for many years, considered that to be the most important question a man or woman can ask. Frankly, it is not a good question. And I no longer consider it even to be a good question. 
I consider it to be a question that takes this man on the wrong path, on the wrong way, the wrong road. Let me explain. Jesus replies to this man in a strange way. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Well, what is he saying? Jesus is asking, do you recognize that I am God? I am good. I am God. Only God is good. So if this man had been listening, instead of pushing his question, he would have quickly discovered the truth. Jesus. But he was full of his own question. And so Jesus responds to his question. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared. Oh, not good master, now he's speaking with the teacher. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him. Now very carefully, he looked at his heart. And he loved this young man. And he said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you'll have great treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And great wealth. This man asked the wrong question. He asked a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The question doesn't work. If you ask this question of Jesus, it will take you down the wrong path. He's asking a legal question. He's saying, what steps must I take? What must I do? What law must I keep in addition, pardon me, to the laws I've already kept? What performance must I perfect? All of these are false answers. None of them lead to Jesus. In fact, they all lead back to the law. And legal questions don't answer the essential question of what must I do to be saved because the law cannot save a man or a woman. The law can only point out what is wrong in your life. And so Jesus uses now the depths of the law, point out to this man, he loves his money more than he loves anything else. It is his money that has become his God. A man's idol is that which prevents him from seeking and finding 
his all in God. A man's idol is that which prevents him from seeking and finding his all in Jesus. A man's idol is that from which he seeks his happiness, his comfort, the comfort of his heart, the wealth, the pleasure, human friendships, books, CDs, music, food, fine houses, beautiful cars, Internet, cell phones, movies, sexual satisfaction, work, success, children, family, or any earthly or heavenly thing which prevents a person from seeking and finding his all in Jesus is his idol. This man's idol is exposed now for what it is. And because he's a man of great wealth, he walks away. I spoke with a man this last Sunday who came to our worship service. And he said to me, I have made all of my choices. I no longer have any decisions to make. My choice is to follow Jesus, to keep my eyes on Jesus. Now, please, I have to eat. I have to drink water. I need to have a place to live that has warmth. I need clothing to wear. All of that is necessary. I need contact with other people. I need a great deal. But Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his innocence. And all of these other things will be given to you. It's the pagans who run after these things. Right now, as I've shared with you on an earlier broadcast, I no longer have a car. It's very inconvenient not to have transportation. I live in the country where there is no bus line or train line. It's not easy. It's difficult. So what should I do? Well, a car is a very real and practical thing. In the accident I was involved in, the car was utterly destroyed, and I sold it for junk. So what do I do about a car? The answer is, I seek first the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God. And secondly, I seek his righteousness. And I put my full trust and my full confidence in Jesus that he will bring me the car that he's decided I'm to have. I know that this will happen. 
And I believe this time, as opposed to many years of desperately used cars, ancient cars, but cars that took me from point A to point B, and that was all that was necessary. I've asked the Lord for a new car. Now, he doesn't need to give me a new car. That would just be a wonderful gift from his heart. But do you hear what I'm saying? I could go to the car dealer and I could borrow money from Pharaoh and I could have a car and make monthly payments. The Lord has said no. No. Trust in me, Ray. Wait upon me, and I will carry you. Rest in me, Ray, is what he is saying to me. Okay. Why? Because I, too, have made all of my choices and all of my decisions. And my choices and my decisions are that I will follow Jesus that I am not going to establish an idol where I go and provide for myself because God won't provide for me. I want to tell you, God is my provision. He's my provision for my personal life. He's my provision for this radio broadcast. I, too, have made a decision I will follow Jesus and no one else and nothing else. I am utterly committed to my Lord. And I will not go to the world or play the world's game to get what I want. I will do so through the prayer closet. Now, am I telling you that you should do the same thing? I'm not telling you not to borrow money for a car. Not if Jesus tells you to do that and provides the way to make the payment. But if he doesn't tell you to do that, and you say, I'm going to do it anyway, you are walking down a path or a road that does not lead to Jesus, but leads to your own self-satisfaction. I can't do that anymore. I am going to follow my Lord Jesus. Now, this man's question was not a good question because it did not lead him to Jesus. It led him to a legalistic decision that Jesus had no additional laws except his own statement of Go sell all that you have and then come and follow me. Jesus is saying, lay down all of these rules you have and come and follow me. Then we find in John, the 10th chapter, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. 
The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, and when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the voice of God? Or have you been following so many other men and women, so many other paths, so many other idols, that you don't even know the voice of God? Jesus said again in verse 7, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the door, he is saying. Now, there are many doors that you have probably opened in your life. And many of those doors have brought great suffering to you or tragedy. Or those doors have brought you into direct contact with the success of the world and things of darkness. And those doors have not led you into that humble position of following Jesus. Let me be very straight with you. Every door that you open by your own power will not lead you to Jesus. It will lead you to death. Only the door Jesus opens for you. No man can be saved except by entering into Jesus. Listen, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The sheep listen to the voice of Jesus and follow him. They don't follow him into the sporting arena. They're not fed by patriots or the pistons. They're not fed by the world, the flesh, or the devil. Instead, they follow Jesus. They walk the path, the way, the road. There's another passage that is vital for us to understand. Let me read it for you. It's found... In the book of John, chapter 14, I'll begin reading verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you really know me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The word I say to you are not just my own words. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is me is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Disciples were wondering, How do we follow you? How do we know the way? And his only answer is, Follow me. That's his answer. Follow me. You know, I... I read this passage that we opened with today. If anyone would to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The call is to follow Jesus. means I will not make any choices. I will not make any decisions that will not lead me to Jesus Christ. I won't go to any entertainment. I won't go to any sport venue. I will not go anywhere or do anything that does not lead me to Jesus Christ. Now, we have begun worship services on Sunday morning at 10 in my home. And we have said to everyone who comes, and Sunday we had quite a few with many children. And we we agreed together as a congregation. The only cry of our heart is that we might follow Jesus. We don't want any institutionalized religion. We don't want the rituals. We want Jesus. Anything that does not lead us to the heart of Jesus we're not interested in. So how do I follow Jesus? He said, you follow me by eating my body and drinking my blood. He's speaking, of course, spiritually. And what he means is we find our comfort in the prayer closet. We find our food in the scriptures. And as we come to Jesus, I'll tell you what happened this morning. I got up this morning, and from the effects of the accident, I've been having headaches 
backache. I slept last night. I got up early this morning, and I came into the prayer closet. And I was just extremely exhausted. And I said, Jesus, I don't accept this. It's not from you. And so I'm asking, would you come and would you pour your strength into me? I have these things I need to study before the broadcast. I have prayers for many people that I must offer for them. They're depending upon me to cover them with prayer. Lord, would you come and would you strengthen me? And it's as though I were getting an infusion of glory. Strength just poured into my physical body. The exhaustion was gone. And I began to praise Jesus and worship him because he had come. As I came and ate the body of Jesus, as I came and drank the blood of Jesus, as I came saying, Jesus, I am following you. Would you strengthen me for the journey? Immediately he strengthened me and poured himself into me. And then I was able to prepare for the broadcast I was able to write thank you notes to many of you who have been so kind in your giving to this broadcast to help cover the cost. And I rejoiced in Jesus. I didn't have to go get a cup of coffee. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I didn't have to go get a cup of coffee to mask my tiredness. I instead began to eat the word of God. I began to cry out to the Lord. I rebuked all sickness and all pain and stood by faith that Jesus would carry me. And he did. Now, let's speak about questions. Questions always take us someplace. When we come to Jesus and ask him a question that is legal in nature, we will be hung in Romans 7. And many unbelievers and people who have come to Jesus and have confessed him as their Lord and Savior have been stuck in a miserable place called Romans 7. Romans 7 is not the normal life of a Christian. Romans 7 is the place where Christians die. Struggling always, I can't overcome my sin, I'm I'm doing all I can. And then they'll quickly turn and they'll entertain themselves with the television or the internet. Or they'll go to some hobby or some sport. They'll go do something else. They don't wait on Jesus. Romans 7 is a temporary place that if you stay there too long, all joy will be taken from your heart. You will see your sin, and you will be cast out. Now, some of you 
don't know anything about your sin. You've never been taught holiness. You've never been taught the way of the cross. You've never been taught that you must give up everything and follow Jesus. You were taught a sinning Christian. And so you dwell in Romans 7, unconscious, saying, it's okay, I'm saved. I just have to find a way to increase my joy. And so some of you do that by becoming a glutton. Some of you do that by drinking alcohol. Some of you do that by being a workaholic. Some of you do that by pursuing earnestly some hobby or some responsibility. And it leaves you in Romans 7 where you die. Romans 7 is not a place of life. It's a place of death. Let me read Romans seven fourteen. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Really? Are you sold as a slave to sin? I don't think so, not if you're a follower of Jesus. But if you get stuck here, you'll die. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. This is the rich young ruler. The law is good. I've kept this law. Now, what other law do I have to keep? Because there was dissatisfaction. There was unhappiness in his heart. When there's dissatisfaction and unhappiness in your heart, you are pinned in Romans 7. And if you continue there, even though you call yourself a Christian, you will die. 17, Romans seven seventeen. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And the pastor will say, there, there, it's okay, that's our condition. And none of us are able to break through that condition. And so God's mercy, God's grace covers us. So just relax and have a good time. I listened to a preacher say this. He said, go to church and have a good time. We're all sinners. We can't leave our sin, not until we die. That was his position. Or a major church here in D.C., a man went to him and said, Pastor, please help me. I'm a cocaine addict. And the pastor said, don't worry about it. You're saved. The Lord will deal with it when he's ready. Just enjoy being a Christian. Well, the man came to me and he said, I can't live like this. I need to be delivered. Is there any deliverance in Jesus? Yes, if I follow him. But the law gives me no deliverance. Verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. This is what sin living in you will always do. It will take you 
away from Jesus. Let me say that again. Sin will take you away from Jesus. You cannot be in sin and in Jesus. The man, the woman, the boy, the girl, who can be used by Jesus, is the one who the first time the Spirit speaks, immediately obeys the voice of the Spirit and is empowered by the Spirit of God to walk clean before Jesus. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Remember I said this rich young ruler was operating under the law. I find this law at work when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. This was the condition of the rich young ruler, but he came asking the wrong question. What laws do I need to keep to get rid of this wickedness in my heart? To satisfy my desire to be pure. And when Jesus told him, verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, the rich man walked away feeling he could not be released because he loved his money. He found his his pleasure. He found his happiness. He found his comfort in his wealth. There were so many questions he could have stopped and asked Jesus. Jesus, if I go and give away all my wealth and I come and follow you, what will happen to me? And Jesus would have answered, well, you're going to have to be crucified. You're going to have to die. And then you're going to rise from that grave going to be made into a fisher of men you'll be a new person and your heart will be filled with joy shy of saying this but I'm going to say it I've been in church after church in fact this was the condition of those of you who are part of the national prayer chapel before we totally reorganized and many left. There was a look of sadness and anger on their face. There was a look of depression. I see this in churches everywhere where I go, or I see an unconsciousness and an unawareness of their sin because they bought the lie of free grace that covers them. But thoughtful ones will always come to a point of saying, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that's what Paul says. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? See, when the church sits like bumps on a log, they don't say amen. 
They don't clap or shout. They have no words of knowledge from the Lord. There are no gifts of the Spirit operating. They have a deep sense of their sin. They're miserable. They're wretched. I walked that way for many years. I no longer walk that way. Anyone who follows Jesus has been delivered from the body of death. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Now we come to chapter 8. This is the life of the normal Christian walking in the Spirit's power. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I no longer walk in sin. I no longer walk in death. I now walk set free by the Spirit. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. You cannot get to Jesus by asking What else do I have to do, Jesus? I've done everything I know. I'm still miserable. You're asking the wrong question. That question will not take you to Jesus. The only thing that will take you to Jesus is an honest confession of your sin. Repenting of that sin. And saying, Lord, you didn't come to have me in the bondage of the law. You came to set me free from this sin. Jesus, would you come set me free now? Deep, deep repentance. Deep confession and repentance of your sin and of your spiritual condition, and of the slowness of your heart, of the pride that you have allowed to come in and take over in your heart. I don't know how to even say this to you, but I'm going to try. So many people I meet are so full of themselves, of their opinions, of their judgments. They're so full of their harshness, of their separating spirit, of their judgmental hit list of things done wrong by another person. And they're miserable. And they're not following Jesus. They're following their own ego. It gives me great sorrow when a person, I had this happen recently to me, when a person 
began to say things that built them up and tore me down. I did not respond well to that. I said to them, I guess you're the man. Well, that was not a very kind thing to say, and I've had to repent for that. I don't need to argue with someone who who comes saying, I'm the man. But I know the truth. There's only one man. His name is Jesus. Romans 8 says, For what the law was powerless to do, it was powerless to release me from my sin. In that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, an atonement. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. Do you understand that if you are walking in sin, you are walking condemned before God? In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. How do you follow Jesus? By letting the Spirit of God convict your heart, uncover every unclean thing. Say, Jesus, I will now act in every part of my heart to follow you. I confess my pride. I confess my anger. I confess my religious spirit. I confess my judgments. I repent. I'm finished with it. Will you remove it from me now, Jesus? Those who live according, this is verse 5, according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. If you are following anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ, that thing is your idol, and it will take you to hell. You cannot live a normal Romans 7 life and comfort yourself with the lies that the grace of Jesus covers me. And when I die, I'll be okay. Then death is your Savior. Death is not my Savior. My Savior lives. He is Jesus the Christ. We're called to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. This man, had he said, Jesus, may I come and follow you, 
the outcome of this conversation would have been dramatically different. If this man had said, Jesus, all I want is to become your disciple. Now, how do I make arrangements to come and follow you? Jesus would have walked him through that. But instead, he asked a legal question. And he walked away condemned by Romans 7. I just know today as I'm sharing this that some of you are walking in the condemnation of Romans 7. You're claiming you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You're claiming that you're clean, but you know you're not. You know your house is not in order. You know you've been drifting away from God. And as one precious woman said this last week, I made a decision. I'm going to go back and take care of my life with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Would you make that choice today? Almighty God, I love you, Jesus. I love you, my Father in heaven. I praise and worship you that we no longer need to walk under the law that we walk now in the fullness of grace with sin removed, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, thank you. I worship you, and I ask for the full release of every Christian listening to this broadcast today from Romans 7. I pray you will reveal to their heart the lie of Romans 7 Christianity. I pray in the name of Jesus. Now, we're out of time. I want to thank each one of you who has been so gracious in giving to cover the cost of this broadcast. Right now, we have $1,500 toward this month's broadcast cost. You can see we're a long way from where we need to be. Would you help? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can give online. You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com. Some of you have listened for years and you've never given one dime. I'm praying Jesus will move in your heart to give generously. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Now, if you would like to come on a Sunday, this is for those who desire to follow Jesus. It's alive. It's like the New Testament church. The children participate. Everybody's into it. If you'd like to come, please call me. If I don't answer, leave a message or try again. The number 703 489 1785. I live right in between Woodbridge and Manassas. It's simple and easy to get to. I'll give you the directions. Call me 703 489 1785 for people who are truly desiring Jesus as Lord. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Talk to you soon. Joy with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep.
from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with